up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Radcliffe, and it is Tuesday, August 16th, and the preview series rolls on on the show today. Going to break down the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs. Pretty interesting teams here. Obviously, at the polar ends of the spectrum, if you look at the performance of these franchises over the last few seasons, but man, there's a lot of appealing fantasy options Really on both squads. So we'll dive into it before I get into that. Don't forget that, uh, well, Ish is going down at FTNFantasy.com. It is fantasy football draft season, so get in on everything that we have to offer over there, including the award-winning rankings. We were the most accurate in the fantasy football industry in 2021. It's proven, man. Go look it up. Uh, We also have projections, my two draft guide magazines, the Rookie Fantasy Scouting Guide, and the game plan. Uh, We just updated all the draft boards, the cheat sheets, the rankings, the projections, dynasty stuff, everything. I just did all that uh, over there. Plus, I recommend the Platinum subscription. That way you get access to League Sync. You also get access to the Discord server where you can talk directly to me. I know everybody, uh, hey, they want the questions answered. Well, we guarantee those questions get answered, uh, especially in my own thread there, uh, one of the private threads. So that's one of the perks, along with the advanced stats and tools. Hey, promo code RATPAC, R-A-T-P-A-C-K, will get you 20% off on a subscription right now. We also have an all-access. It works for any of them. And, uh, well, you really end up saving some dough, and you can use that dough put it towards your fantasy leagues. And then at the end of the year... You make more dough, right? Spend money, make money. <laughs> Promo code Rad Pack over there. All right, let's dive into it. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, well, let's start with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, first and foremost, I think we just take last year as a lost season. A lost season for the franchise as a whole, but really especially for Lawrence. Urban Meyer was a complete disaster. Surprise, surprise. And I, we're so early in this kid's career that I, I don't want to... I don't want to pass any judgment yet. Right now, he gets to work with Doug Peterson, which I thought was an excellent hiring. Yes, Peterson flamed out in Philadelphia. He also won a Super Bowl in his time in Philadelphia. And more importantly, he's worked with some good quarterbacks over the course of his uh, coaching career. He also worked behind some good quarterbacks in his playing career. He knows the position, obviously, quite well from playing the position And all of that just really bodes favorably for Lawrence here. He needs somebody to guide him to help take him to the next level. And Peterson fits the bill. Now, it's not a guarantee that he's going to do it. But I already saw in the first preseason game a few big boy throws from Trevor Lawrence. Uh, 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 Some movement in the pocket. He had uh, one of his first throws in the game. He climbed the ladder in the pocket, delivered a, a nice deep out throw. He has mobility. You know, he's a modern NFL quarterback. He's not a statue back there, so he has the mobility. And we saw a little uh, read option action in that game, so he'll add a little bit there. There is appeal to Trevor Lawrence if you're looking at an upside option in one quarterback leagues. You want to pair him up with a safe option, which is typically the approach I'd take if I'm going late-round quarterback. So I would get somebody like Derek Carr, or maybe if Matthew Stafford slips, or you know Kirk Cousins, and then pair him up with an upside option. Everybody's going to be gunning for Trey Lance, especially after that preseason week one performance. But Lawrence is like free at the end of drafts, and this is a much better situation for him. He does have better weapons 
than he had last year. The team went out, and I'm sure you could argue they spent too much money on Christian Kirk, but you know what? In free agency in the NFL, if you have the money, you're going to spend the money to make sure you get the right guy. So if they overpaid a little bit, whatever. What Christian Kirk was last year for the Cardinals was a viable deep threat out of the slot, a receiver who finished front and wide receiver three, tw- wide receiver 26 overall, but front and wide receiver three production there from this kid. And just something that they didn't have in the offense from last year. Yes, they still have Marvin Jones. They actually brought in Zay Jones, which I don't hate that as a number three option. So you have depth here. Now, of that depth, obviously, Christian Kirk is the guy that we're going to prioritize. I'm not quite viewing him where he finished last year, but currently have him ranked right in that range of wide receiver uh, 40. So right around there. So he's outside of the wide receiver three tier, the top 36, but not that far outside and not a bad option to target for his high ceiling. Um, Jones could score some touchdowns. Marvin Jones, that is. Zay Jones may move the chains more than anything, but it's still a nice crew. They also brought in Evan Ingram, who apparently is wearing number 17, (laughs) which, man, these numbers really screw me up. But uh, either way, he scored a touchdown in the first preseason game. He was not an every-down guy, but we don't really need him to be an every-down guy in order to capitalize on his skill set as a receiver. So we'll keep a close eye on that, but uh, I I like him as a late-round option because you're really just trying to shoot for the moon at that notoriously tricky position. But speaking of tricky, while I think the passing game is pretty straightforward, the run game is not. Now, Travis Etienne is the hot name, and Travis Etienne did play what was it, the first 20 offensive snaps in a row in the preseason opener, which is great. It's very encouraging. Did he look great? Not necessarily, but he didn't look bad as far as what I saw. So that's fine. But he is one of these guys, uh, you know, every year there are these breakout candidates, and of course he's on the list. And I love what we saw out of him at the college level. ETN was, in a lot of ways, a very similar player for me to Jamal Charles. Now, I'm not talking about peak NFL career Jamal Charles. That would not be a fair comparison. What I'm saying is playing style-wise, they're very similar. You know, you have more slightly angular runners, but with game-breaking speed and the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. A lot of similarities there. And by the way, Jamal Charles played in an Andy Reid offense, which is basically Doug Peterson's is a variation of that, and did quite well in that Andy Reid offense. Now, there is a problem. And that problem goes by the name of James Robinson. Now, we did not see James Robinson in the first preseason game. He is still coming back, trying to get back to full strength after the Achilles injury last year. And Doug Peterson praised him in the offseason, thinks he is a three-down guy. Well, you can't have two three-down guys. You know, it's like the old adage, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. Well, you don't have two three-down guys. You can't have two three-down guys. So the bigger question is, how is James Robinson going to be used? Will he be used more than just a change of pace complimentary behind ETN? Will it be a full-blown dare I say, Denver 2021 timeshare situation? Or is there something in between where maybe it's more Robinson in certain situations and more ETN in others? That that probably will end up like the Denver, to be honest with you. But that's the, the word of caution. Now, it's not to say don't draft ETN, although I should note, for me, he's a dead zone back, so I'm really not drafting running backs in that range of the draft. 
but it should be considered that James Robinson, when he is back, could impact this more than you would like uh, with this backfield. So big, big word of caution there. All right, let's move over to Kansas City. There's a directionality of production in NFL football. And that, that directionality flows from the quarterback to the receiver, not the other way around. We have seen great receivers go to crappy situations and not put up great numbers. I think Randy Moss going to uh, the Raiders, right? He's with the Raiders, crappy numbers, then goes great quarterback, and all of a sudden, wow, the numbers are back. <laughs> Amazing. So in other words, the loss of Tyreek Hill, while yes, maybe that doesn't necessarily help the cause for Patrick Mahomes, I have a belief in Patrick Mahomes from a talent standpoint that he's going to be just fine going forward. Uh, and and by the way, I don't expect 2018. Maybe he has one more season like that. If he has more than one more season like that, give him the darn gold jacket right now. But I'm not expecting that every year. But what do we see out of this dude? We see well over 4,500 passing yards and well over 35 touchdown passes as his floor. It's unbelievable. And he's also a savvy runner on top of it. So I'm not worried at all about Patrick Mahomes. In fact, not only does he still have Travis Kelsey, and by the way, here's your Travis Kelsey analysis. He's awesome. He's the number one tight end. What do you want from me? Uh, I'll talk about him in a second, but not only does he have Travis Kelsey, he has perhaps the most depth he's ever had at wide receiver in his time with the Kansas City Chiefs. Because for a while, it was Tyreek Hill and kind of a bunch of slappies, right? And it's not like they're all slappies right now. It's not stellar. You don't have the top-end talent of Tyreek Hill. But what you do have, all right, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, solid veteran. You have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, solid veteran. You have McCole Hardman, who hopefully turns uh, the corner a little bit. But even if he doesn't, even if he ends up being your fourth receiver, that's a pretty good fourth receiver with a lot of upside that you can use on this roster. And then finally, the rookie Sky Moore, who, I mean, all said and done, may, may end up being the best of the four. Not right, right from the gate, not in 2022, but when it's all said and done. Very talented, very fast, very athletic, very versatile. You have a lot of depth here. Now, from the gate, yes, Juju Smith-Schuster seems like he is the favorite to be the lead wideout. Juju historically has struggled in that role. In his time in Pittsburgh, he didn't do very well. Uh, remember that year that Brown left? He's not really a number one. You have Valdez-Scantling, he's not really a number one. None of these guys are number ones. So what does that leave us with? Yes, Juju will be the first drafted. Uh, then it probably will be Sky Moore, then MVS, then McCole Hardman, and I think all four get drafted in most leagues out there, unless you're in a really shallow league. I actually think that's right, though. Now, I think Juju's being slightly overdrafted. I have him as a, a wide receiver three, so, I mean, that's fine. But I think the ball is going to be spread around. And I think this is going to be one of those situations, and the team has kind of told us this, so I'm not just pulling this out of my rear end, where one week it's a Juju week. Next week, it's maybe a McCall Hardman week. Then it's two Marquez Valdez Scantling weeks in a row. Then Sky Moore week. Then back to Juju. Like It's going to be all over the place, not to mention that you also have Kelsey as the gravitational force in that offense. So it is challenging. Having said that, I'm trying to still get pieces of this offense. I just took on Sunday 
Marquez Valdez Scantling out of value. I actually took him after Sky Moore. So out of value just to get a piece, just to get some exposure to this offense because this is one of those situations where while I may think that the ball is going to be spread around, I don't know everything. And just in case, I'm going to try and take some value here and get exposure, obviously, to Mahomes because I'm rarely – I have Mahomes in a – Superflex Keeper League, and that's really the only exposure I'm going to have to him in redraft. I have him in a Dynasty League, but I'm trying to get exposure to him in other ways, which is uh, one of the strategies that I like to use. If I'm not going to get the quarterback, let's get exposure to the quarterback, uh, and that's a, a great way of doing so here. Uh, yeah, Travis Kelsey's awesome. Uh, every year, people kind of like, all right, well, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. No, he's awesome. <laughs> I mean, seriously, and. I don't see anything slowing that down. No, I'm not willing to draft him in the first round. I have, I'm ranked at 15th overall right now, so it's an early second round grade. I I don't hate the idea of going after him. I'm just typically not looking at a tight end in the early second round, but I'm not talking you out of that whatsoever. I mean, you have that anchor, that rock, which that's a big advantage on your opponents who most of them are going to be kidding themselves at tight end for, for basically the entire season. All right, let's move over to the backfield. This backfield is interesting because this backfield has changed a little bit. But what has not changed is Clyde Edwards-Lair in the lead. It's not really being discussed by, you know, like the Roto Worlds of the world or the beat writers that much because it's kind of just a given. He's been the lead back. So that's probably why you're not hearing much about it. Now, lead back in this offense does not mean absolute bell cow, three down, you know, all that. Claude Edwards-Lair is going in the sixth round of 12 team leagues, and, and rightfully so. And I know that he is now a love to hate for a lot of people, but we're not saying Claude Edwards-Lair in the second round. Claude Edwards-Lair in the third round. Heck, we're not even saying in the fourth. Sixth round or seventh in some instances if you really got have a lot of Claude Edwards-Lair hate in your league, that's just... I mean, that's a gimme putt for me. If you're punting your second running back spot or you're going zero RB and you can get the lead back, whether you love him or hate him, in one of the most potent offenses in the NFL, I mean, what is wrong with that? You know, this is uh, one of those things when we play fantasy football. If you play fantasy football like a fan watches an NFL game, you're going to miss out on these opportunities because you're going to have all those preconceived ideas of like, well, he sucks. Okay, yes, if you take him in the third round, that sucks. But in the sixth or seventh round, no issue with that whatsoever. Now, heading into the offseason, it looked almost like there could have been a committee between Claude Edwards-Lair and Ronald Jones. But Ronald Jones kind of went and Ronald Jones does. Uh, he apparently has not been performing especially well in camp, and his stock is falling rapidly. He may not make this roster. So if you have best ball shares of Ronald Jones, you better hope he lands somewhere else. Part of that due to his play, but also part of it due, oh yeah, you want the name, here's the name, Isaiah Pacheco. Due to his play, the rookie seventh rounder, coming out of Rutgers, I tell you what I liked about him, the athleticism, the straight line speed. Uh, there are a few things to his game where I didn't, you know, didn't see much wiggle, but Apparently, he's been showing some wiggle, and he catch the ball, can catch the ball out of the backfield, and he will make this roster, no doubt in my mind, because he's going to be the returner for the team. So, as of now, Pacheco looks like he could be the number two, 
possibly then Jarek McKinnon or Derek Gore as the number three, and then no Ronald Jones. Maybe Derek Gore is the number four if McKinnon makes it as well. So Pacheco becomes an interesting late-round dart because, heck, I mean, we're then one injury away of from Pacheco being a top-20 guy, which I did not expect to happen, but he is the rookie name that we need to know right now outside of the big names, and a lot of people do know him, unfortunately. He was trending on Twitter like, like a week ago. Great. That's what I love to see. But there you go. I mean, there's nothing wrong with taking CEH in the sixth or seventh round, and there's nothing wrong on a late-round dart on Pacheco. All right, that's going to wrap up the pod for today. Uh, tomorrow, the L.A. teams, Rams, Chargers coming at you. FTNFantasy.com. Don't forget, use that promo code RATPACK for 20% off on any subscription at FTN. Works for every one of them, man. Use it. Also, subscribe to the FTN Fantasy Football Podcast. That's the other podcast I'll be doing for this season. So you get all the pods from yours truly. And remember, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, hashtag Rat Pack. And please review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you. I'll catch you on the flip side. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out.